Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Hey everyone and happy Friday and welcome to another edition of Friday Finance. And once again, I'm joined by Mason. Thorne, how are you, mate? Going well, thanks, John. Going well, yeah. Another Friday. Just they seem to keep popping around. Oh, mate, that just, that just doesn't it? Just keep going and going and going. So, um, but today, um, like always, we're here to unpack some of the uh, some of the things that are catching our mind in regards to the world of finance. And really, what's catching our mind, or catching our eye, is the discussion really around the stock market and recessions. Okay, and I really want to kind of unpack this and and dive a little bit deep into this because. I'm obviously always fascinated about history, obviously, you know, how that's played out in regards to stock markets and recessions, but it is the buzzword at the moment in regards to the recessions and whatnot and what that actually means. So, Mason, I might kind of let you kind of lead this one. Um, yeah, and, and let's unpack it. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting topic because, I mean, we're not in a recession yet, but there is the talk of the recession. So, just being prepared um, for what may happen during recession. And of course, what happens in the past isn't a guarantee of what's going to happen in the future, but it does tell it does tell a story. So, John, in the past, so we've had a we haven't had a recession for a long time. I think mm. particularly in Australia, we've been very, very good at avoiding the dreaded R word. But mm-hmm. in the past, when it has happened, let's say during a recession, has it mm-hmm. always been bad news for share markets? No, it hasn't. And the thing is, is that people first need to acknowledge that the economy is a, it's a data driven or like it's a data driven uh, thing. So what I mean by that is that when you get into a technical um, and uh, like a recession, it's based on previous data. It's not based on as it is today. So then when you look about the stock market, the stock market is around anticipation. It's around expectation. That's what kind of sets the price in. So usually the case is that what you will see is actually prior to a recession, you will usually see that the market is pulling back, okay? Then the recession will hit, okay? Then as it's going to, as the the economy is, uh, as the stock market is recovering, what will soon follow is usually the, um, the economy and the economic data. And you've got to think about this is that, the stock market is 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 prices are changing all the time. It's based on people buying and selling stuff. So it's it's only to say that the actual recession is usually a delayed thing rather than um, the stock market, which is quite live. Well, that's interesting. So I think I think that's well, I think that's good news for investors. Uh, I think that's a, it's a bit of a uh, bit of a, a sigh of relief that um, it's not always bad news when it comes to a recession in the share market and the, the distinction between the economy and the share market, how they are different things. But I think as well, people might be a bit nervous. So, okay, a recession, what does this actually mean? How long do recessions typically last for? Is it, are they really long periods of time? Are they sometimes short? What, and is it one better than the other, John? Yeah, recessions. Listen, you got to look at like the economic uh, factors that usually are involved in it. In it, 
in an economic cycle, first and foremost. So when you're thinking about an economic cycle, an economic cycle usually has, or not usually does, have booms and bust periods, okay? And usually in a boom period, you've got about a seven to 10 year kind of ramp up, okay? But what we started to see is that that standard economic boom period extending, okay? Now on the flip side, okay, you've got busts, and those busts are obviously usually the the, the obviously the recession. Sometimes if they're deep, they can get into depression, um, and they're usually like a two to three year window. Okay, some can be really short, you know, a short little flip, and they can be a, a an obviously longer um, period of time. So if you think about like the global financial crisis in America, especially, it was quite deep, yeah. Whereas in Australia, it wasn't so much. You can look at like COVID, it was a technical kind of recession, okay, but it was very short-lived because of the amount of stimulation. So there's a lot of factors that explain the length of recessions and obviously expansion periods or boom periods, but that's usually how they kind of roughly work as a kind of rule of thumb. Yeah, okay, so there's no, unfortunately, there's no set time period where a recession, oh, a recession lasts for six months. It could be anywhere from a few months to years in effect. Yes. So we could be in for a bit of a rough rough sort of time period. I know at the moment we're sort of going through that contraction sort of phase at the moment. Mm. Um, and who, who knows how much longer this goes on for. Mm-hmm. What, if if you're an investor at the moment, mm-hmm. do you think now's a good time to be accumulating assets now that things are, are retracting? Like if they continue to retract, should I be... Perhaps waiting a little bit longer before I before I start investing. Well, it, it obviously depends on your risk appetite and obviously the plan and your time horizon. But the biggest thing is is that you need to remember is that if you're building long term wealth, you're trying to buy good assets at a cheap price. Okay. Now, if you look at the stock market, for example, or you look at the property market in Australia, um, they're at a discount price than what they were at the high. Now. I'm not saying to everyone that this is the bottom. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm actually saying is that you've got actually less risk now than what you had when they were at their peaks because you're buying them at a higher price. Therefore, you've got increased risk. So from an accumulator's perspective, it's much better to accumulate now than it was you know, nine months ago when markets were at their all-time highs because you're buying something at a heightened price and you're taking on more risk. Okay? So... Actually, as prices continue to fall, your risk becomes less and less and less for where that's got to kind of end up being. So for the accumulators, you know, if you're not if you're not looking at accumulating now, well, you know, what are you kind of doing? Okay. And people obviously at the moment are saying, you know, cash flow problems, cash flow problems, cash flow problems. Remember as well, too, you need to be making sure that your financial future is a necessity and for you to stop trading time for money you've got to start investing for your future now we've had actually a question come through um which i'd love to obviously uh, answer as well too and it was uh would you pay off your mortgage or invest in shares if if you're heading into a recession within te- within 10 years of retirement well that's that's a great question and, and mason i might get let you unpack it and obviously i'll give my view as well too that's a fantastic question, and, it's a, and a lot of a lot of different angles that we could go down um, when we're going down time. But I guess ten years to retirement, I'd say ten years is still quite a long time frame. Typically, market cycles 
typically run for that seven to ten year time frame. So you probably got another market cycle before you retire. Now interest rates are going up. So what this means is every dollar you're putting on the home loan is effectively saving you more and more on interest. So that guaranteed return, so to speak, is becoming greater and greater and becoming more and more attractive. So that's a big positive to paying down the debt. However, as we as we were touching on, a recession is a great time to accumulate these investment assets while on a discount because 10 years' time, a recession hasn't in history lasted 10 years. So effectively, we're gaining these assets now on the cheap or the cheaper, mm-hmm. keep accumulating, mm-hmm. builds up, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And then as you get close to retirement, then you can start to say, okay, maybe I should wind down my accumulating of assets, hopefully enjoying the, the rebound effect once we come out of the recession. So mm. I th- it's going to be a boring answer, but I think doing an element of both, getting mm-hmm. the guaranteed return on the, uh, on the home loan, but also mm-hmm. continue to accumulate assets. Definitely, it's definitely not an either or for me. I think mm-hmm. hedge your bets going either way, mm-hmm. and then you get the you get the benefits both ways. What yeah, you, I, I, I tend to I, I tend I tend to agree. I think what we've got to be making sure is that when we when we walk into retirement, that we're not walking in with a lot of debt. Because remember, to to make sure that your money outlives you, you've got to have have you've got to have more money going in than going out. Okay, so really, you've got to be super focused on your game plan. Okay, if you don't have a plan, this is the time for you to do that. If you've got 10 years left to be earning income, you cannot be playing around with what you're doing with that income. You really need to be super laser focused and have clear objectivity in regards to where you need to get to. Now, based on that, first and foremost, you need to be establishing a surplus amount of cash flow. And then from that surplus amount of cash flow, you need to try and put yourself in a position to be as debt free as possible, but also have enough funds to last at least until your life expectancy, okay? So really working out what those levers are for you to pull. Do I go towards destroying debt and going towards investments? Are really allocated on your game plan and what you're doing there. Now, the biggest thing to also understand is that when the tap turns off in 10 years time, you're going to be having to live off your investments. So you're going to have to have a game plan that fights both of them, okay? You can't be fighting both debt um, without fighting investments, like Mason was saying, because out where else what you're going to end up with is maybe a full up, a full off paid off house, not much to live on, then forcing yourself into a decision where you've got to sell your house in four or five years' time or whenever your money runs out um, because you need to live out um, the rest of your retirement days. Great question. Um, and very much topical in regards to recessions, but always remember recessions risks are going down in regards to purchasing, okay? but also not a good time to be potentially selling because you are selling at a discount as well too. So very uh, important. You don't want to be putting yourself into a position where you're going to have to be forced to make those decisions. Thank you very much for that question. Yeah, that was a fantastic question. I think I think it, it, probably, it probably led us to where the conversation was going because I was going to mention how different a recession is for a wealth accumulator who could be really seeing this as, oh, licking your lips, this is a fantastic opportunity to accumulate assets if you've got the cash flow, of course. Um, but for a retiree or someone who's leading into retirement, let's say they're one or two or three years out from retirement, it's a bit of a different story, isn't it, John? Yeah, it is. It is. And you've got to be making sure, like I think going back to what we were saying about before, having a, a laser focus plan, the closer you get to retirement, the more you can't stuff around. Yeah, like the the costs of making a mistake are just huge as you get closer, okay? And 
you know, I say to the people that walk into, you know, walk in all these days on virtual, you know, jump on a Zoom with me and go, oh, you know, I've got 12 months left before I retire. You know, I would have loved to see them 10, 15 years ago. Okay. So it just, it, it just, it's more, there's no margin for error. Yeah. You got to be, you got to be right on the ball. Okay. Um, and, you know, that's why we would talk about risks. The first thing that people think about is investment risk, like, and, and market risk. But when we get towards that retirement and just before pre-retirement stage, it, there's a heavy focus on managing the risks, okay? And the risks, one of the biggest ones and the most important one is your money, um, is your money out, not living, um, not lasting the amount of time that it was required to, to last for. The Mason, I kind of want to go back a little bit as well too, because this recession word in regards to the stock market has sent, you know, shivers into the markets, okay? But the reality is, is that this is also a great time to also assess your personal finances and then potentially see if there's an opportunity for you to take the opportunity of what's presented to you, okay? So, you know, let's talk about this. How are you feeling about this current environment? It's, a, it's an interesting one. I, I'm, I feel like I'm in a nice position. I feel like my cash flow is... Going along quite nicely at the moment. I I was fortunate enough to fix my home loan rate while they were they were lower, and mm-hmm. that's that wasn't skill or anything. That was more just Tiny. that gave me comfort yeah, yeah. knowing yeah, at, the at the time, and it's worked out for the time being. It's worked out well. I've got a fixed rate, so my mortgages. Mm-hmm. I haven't felt that. Mm-hmm. I've felt the groceries. I've definitely mm-hmm. felt that. Um, and mm-hmm. fuel. Don't get me wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I've definitely felt that. But I feel my cash flow is still in a nice positive position. So I, am, I do feel like I'm in a place where I can potentially up my investment allocation mm-hmm. to get these bargains happening. So I'm feeling okay at the moment. Uh, regarding, mm-hmm. like, it's funny though, John, because I've never lived through a recession. Mm-hmm. I don't know. With, if people start losing their jobs and things, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it's going to work on my mental psyche. I'm, mm. I'm not sure. Like, Am I going to be yeah. falling to the cracks of, Oh, I don't know. Like, it's easy to look at a graph and say, "Oh, recessions. This is a good opportunity." Mm. But the reality of actually taking that action is something completely mm. different, and the behaviour around that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, it's going to be a good experience um, mm-hmm. going through a recession potentially. Mm. Just seeing, seeing how it all sort of works because you like. I've heard my grandfather and grandmother mm. talk about recessions in the past, and you sort of, mm. so like, yeah, whatever. Like, mm. it is what. Like that happened. We're out of it now. It's never mm. going to happen again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we maybe we will see it. Um, yeah, I, it's very interesting. Obviously, a lot of the millennial group hasn't even kind of felt a recession. Yeah, um, you only got to look to like, for example, my parents and stuff that's it, that have significantly felt a recession. I'm not talking about the little small ones, okay? But honestly, Mason, I feel excited. If you actually want to know how I feel. Okay, and um, people might be you know shocked in regards to what I'm going to talk about. I always want to remember that you've got to be greedy when people are fearful and be fearful when people are greedy. So if you take that into consideration, you've got to think about this. Right now, asset prices in growth assets are 10 to 15% down in Australia. Okay, that means that if we're buying luxury handbags, yeah, Gucci had just gone and Louis Vuitton has just gone on 10 to 15% sale. Okay. So 
I've got a little bit of excitement at the moment, but I start to look at why I've got the excitement. So the thing is that we've spoken about on this podcast before around making sure you've got good cash reserves, good war chest to be able to ride out these things, okay? Making sure that you're well prepared. You can't predict, but you can prepare, okay? And we constantly are telling our clients around this preparation and preparation and preparation. And I remember probably a year or two ago, people would say to me, John, you're not being as aggressive as an advisor as you should be. We manage the risks, not the rewards, okay? The rewards will speak for themselves, okay, and the returns. But these are the opportunities. This is the same way that I felt in COVID. When COVID was dropping, I was starting to feel more excited. And as asset prices come down, I start to feel more excited. And obviously, I've been conditioned for a long, long time for this to happen, okay? So as prices continue to fall, the people that have the financial literacy, the right behavioral coaching actually become more opportunistic based on things becoming cheaper. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm just going to go out and put everything on red, okay? That's not what I'm doing. I look back at my plan. I look at my investment strategies and I say, based when I was a logical mind, not based with emotion, what was the game plan for what needs to happen in these situations? And in these situations, like every other situation, I need to rebalance my portfolio. My growth assets are 10% to 15% down. My cash reserves are where they were, if not been increasing. Therefore, I need to adjust my defensive assets and my growth assets to be in the position where they need to be. Now, well, don't do this regularly. You'd probably do it you know, once or twice a year. You don't want to be doing any more. If you want to see where this philosophy comes from, go read the book, The Intelligent Investor, okay, by Benjamin Graham, and he teaches you a lot of these tips. Benjamin Graham, one of the greatest investors of all time, actually the mentor of Warren Buffett, okay? So these aren't like me just coming up with them off the top of my head. These have been tried and tested for hundreds of years. Now, very easy in theory, much harder in practice, okay? But obviously, 20 years of kind of doing this on repeat and repeat and repeat, you start to get a little bit better at it, okay? So I can't help myself by being a little bit excited. Obviously, I'm a bit kind of concerned for people in not good cash flow positions, um, but obviously working with them as obviously with clients to put them in that good cash flow position and at least see them through this, okay? But on the flip side of that, for people that do have good cash flows, do have good cash reserves, the accumulators accumulate. I wish I could have like, you know, band them all together, rally them all together, you know? The accumulators accumulate. Um, but the reality is, is that there's obviously not a lot of people in those situations, but the ones they are, you know, they're the ones that we want, want to kind of uh, make sure that they're in a position to take opportunity for this. And the ones that are in pre-retiree or retiree, we spoke about that before, um, it's around making sure you've got a war chest, making sure your money's bucketed correctly and to see yourself through the through any storm that any economic condition presents yourself. So Mason, we've got a quick question as well too, just for clarification. What um, what do you classify as a growth investment or, or a defensive um, asset? Okay. Can you just explain to people just like as a general understanding of what they are? Yeah. So typically speaking, a growth asset is something that grows in value over time. So it's it's outpacing inflation. So you, you're getting that getting that hedge against inflation. So a growth asset, typically when we say growth asset, we're referring to shares and property. Mm-hmm. Whereas a defensive asset, more safe, you're not getting that growth, mm-hmm. but it, it's a more stable investment. Think of your things like cash, your bonds, your term deposits, those fixed interest type investments, they're your more defensive assets. And having, having a good mix of both is 
key to a great portfolio. Because as you can imagine, during times of market downturns, if we're too much in the growth assets, we're going we're gonna to feel real, real hurt. But mm. on, the, on the flip side, during times of prosperity, if we're too heavily in the defensive assets, we're going to miss out on that, mm-hmm. on that key growth. So having that, having that mix of both, and this is why we talk so much about risk and knowing, knowing how to be invested, is so key to long-term wealth, wealth growth and wealth creation. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, more about, it's more about doing good when things are bad, yeah, rather than doing good when everything else is good. You'll hear me say this if I haven't said it before. Everyone can do good when everyone else is doing good. Yeah, it's a matter about doing good when everyone else is doing bad, okay? And that there is what makes an investment a good investment, okay? Um, we've got some awesome questions coming in, Mason. Um, so do you consider your superannuation as growth or a mix, a mix depending on your allocation? So superannuation, everyone, is a it's a, essentially a, a holding vehicle, okay? It's a, it's a tax haven where the government gives incentives for money to be held in there for the retirement purposes. This helps them to offset social security benefits and all of that stuff. Now, the way that your money is invested in there does dictate the way that it it, it works. So, for example, you could have your superannuation 100% in Australian shares if you wanted to. Now, we're not advising people to do that, but you could do that and your volatility would be very high, okay? But you can have 50-50 splits. You can have 50% in growth assets, 50% in defensive assets. You could have 70-30. You could have property in there. You could have cash in there. You could have bonds in there. So it really depends on how you've structured that. And your superannuation should be done in complementary with your overall financial situation. So, you know, if you're thinking about someone... Let's talk about an accumulator, for example, and we'll use a pre-retired accumulator. Accumulator, that money is there for them to touch when they're older, 60 plus, okay, under certain conditions, okay? But if you want to retire when you're 50, you're not going to be putting all your money into, into superannuation, but you might be taking a more aggressive, you know, approach with the super because it's so long away because of that time horizon effect, okay? But when you're in your pre-retiree scenario, okay, you've really got to be conscious of the bucketing of the money that sits outside, how much you've got, okay? Because if you're going to be drawing down that money, you don't want to be drawing down from money if your stock portfolio is 50% down and you're having to then crystallize losses. So you're wanting to be making sure that it's split accordingly in regards to what your income requirements are and making sure that you've got the right bucketing strategy to release your money when you need it and not make silly decisions because you're forced to make them. Could have said that myself, to be honest. I think that's, that's, I think it's really good. I think with that question as well, I think we can sometimes get caught up in, or oh, am I in the right super fund? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that is important, but it's not as important as that mix of investments within super. Because as you mentioned, super is that tax structure. And I think we get caught up in the brand names. Oh, I'm with Host Plus, or I'm with Rest, or I'm with CBUS. That. In terms of long-term wealth creation, that doesn't really matter. It's more getting the investments within the shell correct. So I often hear, John, that, oh, CBUS has done really well. I should go with CBUS. Mm-hmm. But they might have a really conservative risk profile. So that, that ad you saw on TV isn't even really relevant to you. So mm-hmm. I, unfortunately, I think the industry funds do, do play on this a little bit, um, mm-hmm. trying to oh, we're the brand name. 
Mm. Uh, I think, yeah, we've got to really understand it's the investments within and that allocation within that's more important. Um, but yeah, I mean, minimizing fees and things is also important as well over the long term. But yep. getting that mix right, so crucial. Yeah, one couldn't have said it better. Um, we we often say inside the industry, balanced is not balanced. Okay, so what we're trying to get at is when you look at a super funds return and it might say balanced. If you look under the lid, there might be eighty percent in growth assets, twenty percent in defensive assets. I don't know about you, but balanced to me is fifty fifty. Um, so being making sure that you're comparing apples with apples um, is very very important. Now, getting back to this stock market recession. I want to talk about how deep this can go and also how it can change to become optimistic and actually start growing. Okay. And it's very important to know that the longer that it goes on for, the cheaper usually stock prices go. And if you kind of had to grow, like draw a graph of this, okay, you would see that the usually what happens and past performance isn't a true indicator of future performance, but if you look back at all, pretty much all the recessions, they kind of work this way, okay? What happens is, is that the stock market kind of goes down and drops, okay, to a point where buyers look and say, oh my gosh, this is so cheap, I need to jump in. Now, what I'm trying to get at is that that recession that you're in at the same time potentially hasn't finished. It's still not pros prospering but you've now got to that point where the demand for something at that price is now starting to hold that position. And what you're seeing is then what happens is, is that kind of growth effect where people are starting to make money, more people want to start making money, and you start to get this optimism back in the market, trying to find this cheap price, and then you get this stimulation, and then markets rally. Now, what happens is, is that the recession might be following that because remember or getting out of that after that happens because what's happening is is that it's based on economic data okay so it's a lagging indicator okay now as recessions go down or as recessions get get deeper okay and things happen you've got to realize that at the moment interest rates are going up contracting the economy so for the government to want to stimulate the economy, Mason, what would they do? The opposite. Rates come down. Drop the rates, yeah? So drop the rates, stimulate. So imagine a world now, okay? Rates have gone up by another couple of, you know, a couple of half or maybe 1% from where they are now, okay? Government sees the unemployment rate rising. They start to see closures on businesses, you know, so people are losing their jobs, businesses are struggling. Things are slowing down. Housing is slowing down. What starts to happen? Okay. So it's very, very important to understand that these things do happen. And I can assure you that recessions and economic and financial like markets downfalls don't last forever. Okay. And they will recover at one point. It's to make sure that you've got a plan. You've got the consistency. You've got the behaviors to get through it and take advantage of what you see in front of you and don't crap yourself, yeah, because your emotions are getting the better of you, okay? And if you find that is the case, speak to a financial advisor. That's like the whole, not the whole, but a big portion of what we do, all right? Did you have anything more to add to that? Because as you can see, I'm quite optimistic uh, when people are probably very pessimistic at the moment. 
Yeah, very optimistic. I think I think it's just always good to note that there's a, a lot of people make money during recessions. Like if you look at a lot of people who have built their wealth, you'll find that a lot started during a recession. It's quite interesting how it sort of pans out. People, people who take advantage of a recession, the, mm. the elastic band effect, the, the rebound they get, and just it's it's uncanny. Um, lots and lots of people have built their wealth during a recession. And um, we hope that people who are listening to this, you're one of them. We really do. And Mason, I just want to put something out there, okay? Um, for the ladies, if Gucci was 50% off, would you be enticed to buy it? Yeah. Or if, you know, or if it was a car you've always loved and you saw it advertised for 50 grand, but it's now 25,000. Imagine Tesla, you know, the new EVs and stuff. They're now 50% off. Would you be more enticed to buy them or not? And this is the same thing that's happening with the stock market, but there's this massive machine, you know, the ASX, the, you know, the NASDAQ, the, you know, S&P, all of the, exchanges also around the world that are pumping out this this thing to make sure that you're constantly trading okay in the book the intelligent investor from benjamin graham he talks about mr market okay and please if you want to advance your knowledge in regards to investing go read that book mr market's always trying to play on your mind okay and take your money away from you as well too okay so watch out for mr market all right well listen i'm going to wrap it up there it's been a great session in regards to stock the stock market and recessions and to the people leaving the questions, thank you very much. They were absolutely amazing. And we would love to see more of that um, in more sessions to come. Mason, thanks again, mate. And um, and have a, um, have, a, have a great weekend. You too, John. And enjoy everyone else. So, yeah, questions are fantastic. Thanks. Cheers. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.